And we are continuing our series that we're calling Disciple. We're looking at what it means to be a disciple, what it means to be a Christian. Of course, Christian and disciple are the same thing. A disciple of Christ is a Christian. Uh, there aren't two different things where you got the people who really take it seriously and they're the disciples, and then you've got all the normal Christians. It's the people who follow Christ are Christians, they're disciples, there aren't two groups, there's just one. And uh, uh, we've talked about a whole bunch of stuff. Man, so I'm going to give you the 48 second recap of the last several weeks and see if I can get there. So in order to understand what a disciple is, we looked at four different categories, kind of the tools for understanding that. A disciple, the ways of God, what are the ways of God? Then you've got church culture, the ways of men. What are just things of church culture? Right now I'm wearing work boots in church preaching. Is that is that cool? Yeah. These are from a, a kid that was in my youth group many years ago who fell away from the Lord and then he came back to the Lord and I went to his garage sale and got his work boots. So I'm wearing them in church and I'm going to tell him, hey man, wear your boots at church and it's going to be awesome. So there you go. But that's just church stuff, right? What kind of shoes the preacher guy is wearing it's not really ways of God. It's just it's just ways of culture. It's it's just what we're doing. Then you've got itching ears, which is the ways of preference. Man, oh man, do we want what we want? And if we don't get what we want, we're very dissatisfied and we have issues. And then we've got the ferocious wolf category, which is when church goes bad, when Christianity goes bad, and we don't want that. We took those uh, categories and we applied them to various things like our relationship with our Heavenly Father, made sure we didn't end up with a, a surrogate father as the church or an inverted relationship with God, but that we had a real relationship with the Lord that went from the fear of the Lord, which is the beginning of wisdom, into a love of God which casts out all fear. We talked about the Holy Spirit and what that means for the believer and that we can have that seal upon us and we can walk with the Spirit of God. We talked about the commitment a disciple makes to the Lord Jesus Christ. And then we talked about faith versus works. And uh, we spent some time on that. We're going to kind of continue in because we're honing in on some more details. It can be dangerous to get too detailed, but we're going to try to get uh, the appropriate type of detail. And so we talked about faith versus works and how that all how that all works out. Now you know that you can't earn your way into heaven, right? But isn't there a different code of conduct for the believer than for the unbeliever? Like when you get saved, you should act different than you did before. Amen? So you can't earn your way in, but there's a different code of conduct. So how does that work? And we talked about how that works, and we talked about what you get saved from, what you get saved uh, by, and what you get saved to. So you are saved from sin and death by grace through faith to righteousness and eternal life. That's good news. From sin and death, by grace through faith, to righteousness and eternal life. So for example, if this was a, a, a big boat sinking in the ocean and I need to be saved from drowning in the ocean, I can get saved by a lifeboat showing up and pulling me in to the shore where there's a nice hotel with a restaurant. So that's what I want. But all three of those pieces are very important for my salvation. right? If I'm going to be saved from drowning, I do need the lifeboat. And I do need the place to go. If I uh, don't get all of those things together, something's missing and it doesn't quite work out. So, saved 
um, by faith through grace from sin and death to righteousness and eternal life. Last week we talked about what is the problem. I'm going to ask you that question again. And this is not a trick question and anybody can answer. What is the problem? If you were to just put it all together in one phrase, what's the problem? There are no wrong answers. Somebody tell me, what is the problem? You're pretty sure there's a problem. Is everything just right? It's all good? All right. What's a problem? Even if it's not the problem. What's a problem? Say that again. Relationship with Christ. If we don't have one, that's a problem. If it's messed up, that's a problem. If we misunderstand it, that's a problem. I heard something else over here. Despair is a problem. Amen? Despair is a problem. What are other problems? Confusion is a problem. There are lots of problems in this world. There are, man, there's, there's like legit problems. There's war, like in the Middle East, right? There's war going on. There's poverty, human trafficking. There's uh, people lost and going to hell all over the earth. There are people lost and going to hell within one mile of this place right now. We are, we got lots of problems. What's the solution? The solution, I am convinced, is for Christians to get good at being Christians and to shed the light of Christ to the world so other people can get good at following the ways of God. If the people who know God are good at following the ways of God, then things like confusion and despair and people being separated from Christ, they start to fade away. If we get good at that and we help other people get good at that, then things like poverty, human trafficking, these sorts of things go away. The kingdom of God advances. People go from death to life and we see a different world. There is a solution and it is the kingdom of God. And the kingdom of God needs citizens which are disciples. Not people who aren't good at following the ways of God who are just trying to sneak into heaven. Because that doesn't solve the problem. That is part of the problem. Alright. You getting it? We ready? We're going to get some energy this morning? Praise God. So that's the problem. Today, we're going to work through the ideas of what does it mean to get good at being a Christian. And uh, I separated that into three pieces last week. Moral character. Isn't moral character an important part of being good at being a Christian? I mean, if you're going to lie and steal from people, are you good at being a Christian? No, you're just not. So there's moral character issues. There's spiritual disciplines. Should a disciple read their Bible, for example? Pray. Go to church. Things like that. There's spiritual disciplines. And then there's service to the Lord. Service to God. Should a disciple serve God, bear fruit for the kingdom? Amen. So there's these three categories we're going to focus today on moral character. Isn't that exciting? Good Hope Church, October 10th, 2014. Let's talk about moral character for the disciple, for the believer. Amen. Exciting, exciting stuff. Um, do you think Christians 
have this code of conduct down or needs improvement? Needs improvement. Where is that improvement going to start? Yeah, there you go, there you go. I got people pointing at themselves. That's good. Because normally what happens is people think, well, they should take the they out and put an I in there. Now you're, now something's able to change. Because if all we do is complain about what they should be doing, we don't change and neither do they. But if I should, if I realize I need to be brought to the fullness of my salvation, I need to be brought into that righteousness, that, that place, I can be part of the solution, not part of the problem. So it starts with me, it starts with us, it starts with you. All right, let's read some scriptures that talk about this code of conduct of moral character. Ephesians 5, 1 through 8. Ephesians 5, 1 through 8. Be imitators of God, therefore. <laughs> Man, are we starting off on a pretty high plane here? Be imitators of God. Therefore, as dearly loved children and live a life of love, just as Christ loved us, so we're to live a life of love the same as how Christ loved us. Imitators of God. That's amazing. And gave Himself up for us as a fragrant offering and sacrifice to God. But among you there must not be even a hint of sexual immorality or of any kind of impurity or of greed because these are improper for God's holy people. Nor should there be obscenity, foolish talk, or coarse joking, which are out of place, but rather thanksgiving. Hold that there for a sec, Seth, I'm sorry. Uh, I'm just bringing this one on you. So if we're going to be saved from obscenity by grace through faith, what are we saved to? Thanksgiving. Giving thanks. Instead of swearing about your circumstances, cursing out your car, By the grace of God, through faith, we access the grace of God by our faith. We give thanks for our situation. That at least we have a car. And we hope the car will get better and actually start. And things like that. And we be believing for something good to happen. So you get saved from obscenity, from sin, to thanksgiving, to righteousness. Okay, verse 5. For of this you can be sure, no immoral, impure, or greedy person, such a man as an idolater, has any inheritance in the kingdom of God and of Christ. Let no one deceive you with empty words, for because of such things God's wrath comes on those who are disobedient. Is Paul being real careful not to hurt anybody's feelings here? Man, is this strong or what? For of this you can be sure. So it's specifically emphasized. No immoral, impure, or greedy person has any inheritance in the kingdom of Christ and of God. How does that make you feel? <laughs> Sorry. Sorry for those poor, immoral, impure, greedy people. Or do you see some things inside of you that might make you nervous if you were to stand before the living God this morning? 
I think to myself, okay, okay, that sounds good. I'm with you. Um, I'm going to need some help. <laughs> I need some help. Because as far as standing before God and feeling like I'm getting an A-plus on the exam, like, oh, there's, there's maybe a chink or two in the armor, right? Thank you, Lord, for the blood of Christ. We don't want to get too confused to where we start thinking we are saved by being righteous. We're not saved by righteousness. We are saved by grace through faith. And we are to attain to righteousness, but it can be a process. We can be forgiven of the consequence of sin instantaneously. You know what I mean? Like you ask for forgiveness for your past sins. How long does it take the Lord to forgive you? Boom, done. But that doesn't mean that we are completely free from our sin nature and never sin again. We have to work that out with fear and trembling. We have to go through the process of sanctification to conquer the sin in our lives. No immoral, impure, or greedy person has any inheritance in the kingdom of Christ and of God. Let no one deceive you with empty words. This is the preliminary stuff. I'm getting all excited. Do you think in America we might be deceived with empty words when it comes to moral character in the church? Man, oh man, there's a tendency towards, hey, impure, immoral, greedy, what a, you know, whatever. Don't worry about it. Blood of Christ is strong. Take care of you. What does it say here? We need to deal with this, right? We need to work through this. We need to take this stuff seriously because this is what we're saved to. If you never get to the hotel with the restaurant on the shore, you're not in the hotel on the restaurant on the shore. You're either in the lifeboat or you're sinking in the ocean. We've got to get where we're going. So let's read the last two verses uh, that I have here. Therefore, do not be partners with them, for you were once darkness, but now you are light in the Lord. Live as children of light. Brothers and sisters, we are to endeavor to live as children of light. Amen? Who is the light of the world? It's us. Jesus said, you are the light of the world. I question, you know, it's, it's not good to question the Lord, right? Don't question God. But I think to myself, why would He make us the light of the world? That's maybe a bad plan. You know, because look at us. But we're to live as children of light. We are to be the light of the world. That's the commission we've been given. It's a big commission. If we're going to be part of the solution and not part of the problem, we need to live as children of light. We need to get rid of that immorality, impurity, and greed. All right. Let's look at Revelation 21, 6 through 8. Come on. Revelation 21. He said to me, it is done. I am the Alpha and the Omega, the beginning and the end. To him who is thirsty, I will give to drink without cost from the spring of the water of life. Hallelujah. He who overcomes will inherit all this, and I will be his God, and he will be my son. But the cowardly, the unbelieving, the vile, the murderers, the sexually immoral, those who practice magic arts, the idolaters, and all liars, their place will be in the fiery lake of burning sulfur. 
This is the second death. I think it's interesting that it says all liars. That's the only only one that it says all in front of. All liars. This, this is again very, very strong, isn't it? Uh, the two verses before that, 6 and 7, were very nice. I could preach on that. We could be all excited. We could talk about our inheritance. But if we're in... If we're more likely in verse 8 here, any of those a surprise to you on that list? How about cowardly? Who'd have thought that was an egregious sin that would put you on this list of people that go to the, uh, to the lake of fire? The cowardly? They've made the list. We're to have strength. We're to fight the good fight. We're to stand and overcome. To those who overcome, we have an inheritance. To those who crumble, it's not looking good. Is the code of conduct important? Absolutely. Code of conduct is important. Now, Good Hope Church, we're always happy here. Uh, but I tell you what, I'm not going to hide anything from you. You know what I mean? I'm not going to I'm not going to give you soft things so that you can feel good about yourself and then be in trouble. Let's let's find the truth. The good news is the blood of Christ is sufficient for you. The blood of Christ is sufficient for me. But we are to work towards getting to the fullness of our salvation where we walk in righteousness, not be satisfied without that. So, Let's apply this idea of being saved from and being saved by and being saved to to the Ten Commandments. You like the Ten Commandments? Woo! Let's go to the Ten Commandments. I like the Ten Commandments. We're going to go to Exodus chapter 20. We're going to skip around and just do the, the highlights of the Ten. You know, there's explanations and stuff. We're not going to cover all those. Um, so let's go through the Ten Commandments and let's just quickly talk about what we're saved from, what we're saved by, and what we're saved to. So, you shall have no other gods before me uh, is the first commandment. You shall have no other gods before me. So, instead of having higher priorities than the Lord Jesus Christ, higher priorities than the living God, that's what we're saved from, is having our priorities not in order, having other gods before the living God. We are saved, the middle one is easy, we're always saved by grace through faith. But by faith, we access the grace of God. So, the grace is the power of God. Faith allows us to access the power of God. So, we're saved from having other gods before the living God, by grace through faith, to putting the living God first in our life. Next one. You shall not make for yourselves an idol in the form of anything in heaven above or on the earth beneath or in the waters below. Not too many people are tempted to make themselves a little frog or something and then bow down and worship the frog. You know, it doesn't happen too much in our culture anymore, but we have different types of idolatry. Certainly this is talking about many, many forms of superstition and things like that. And then what we talked about uh, earlier, the idolatry of immorality, impurity, and greed. So we want to be saved from idol worship. That is a worship of false things. Like greed is a worship of money. And that's something that shouldn't be at the top. We shouldn't be worshiping money. Money makes a great servant, but a 
horrible God. We want to be saved from idol worship, worshiping the wrong things that amount to nothing, by grace through faith, to worshiping the living God. Next. You shall not misuse the name of the Lord your God, for the Lord will not hold anyone guiltless who misuses His name. So we are saved from using the name of the Lord in vain. I, man, that was one of the toughest things for me when I got saved. Because I there are certain phrases that just can, you know, man, it was hard to get out of my vocabulary. But saved from using the name of the Lord in vain to a reverence for the living God. Using His name uh, with weight, with significance. Remember the Sabbath day by keeping it holy. Is that still true today? We could go to uh, Hebrews 4.9, which I didn't tell Seth. Uh, can you grab me Hebrews 4.9 real quick? New Testament, Hebrews 4.9. What's the idea behind keeping the Sabbath day? It's about maintaining your relationship with the living God. you got all this stuff going on. Take some time to spend with the Lord. Hebrews 4.9, New Testament. There remains then a Sabbath rest for the people of God. We'll talk about that in more detail another time. But, hey, we need to maintain the Sabbath rest. It, we don't want to get legalistic about it, but there is a Sabbath rest for us. Okay, let's keep going back to Exodus 20. Thanks, Seth. Honor your father and your mother so that you may live long in the land the Lord your God is giving to you. So, you can be saved from being disrespectful to your parents who are perhaps very messed up human beings to being respectful of your parents and honoring your parents by grace through faith. You shall not murder is that one confusing? We get saved from murdering people. Sermon on the Mount, Jesus says, get saved from hating people. Two, loving people. We get saved from uh, committing, a, you, you shall not commit adultery. Get saved from an immoral lifestyle or an impure heart. Two, Real intimacy that lasts a lifetime. Lasts a lifetime. You get saved to that. It's a tremendous blessing. You shall not steal. You get saved from taking from other people to having something to share. Being somebody who gives. Keep going. Finish this up. You shall not give false testimony against your neighbor. So you get saved from lying to by grace through faith, to telling the truth, being a trustworthy person. Somebody people can know isn't going to lead them astray. You shall not covet your neighbor's house or anything else that your neighbor has. So you get saved from jealousy to security in who you are in Christ. We get saved from these things by grace through faith, to the other things. If we got good at those ten, wouldn't we be doing something? Man, oh man, oh man. 
So those things are clear. I don't think we're going to get in a theological argument about whether or not it's okay to murder or commit adultery, right? Probably not. So there are some gray areas in there, right? In our culture. Okay. Um, but what about other issues like dancing, watching TV, smoking, gambling, drinking, listening to certain types of music, stuff like that? Now what do we do? Now we're starting to get into some more difficult areas to grab hold of, right? Because it's not just like don't murder people. Now it's like, well, I don't think you should watch that TV show. Okay, well, how does that all work? Here's the here's the quick answer. I want to make sure to get done in time. I'm going way too slow. All right, here's the quick answer. Where's the line? Should you watch that show? Should you listen to that radio station? Um, what can you do? What's a sin? What isn't a sin? Here's the deal. The line is in different places for different people and it moves when it comes to these disputable matters. When it comes to murder, okay, nobody gets to murder. You know, that's just boom. But what radio station do you, do you listen to when you're driving to Duluth? Is that a make it or break it deal with our salvation? hey, the line's in different places for different people and it moves. So, uh, for example, for me, as a non-Christian, I listened to a lot of music that was not good music. You know, I'm listening to ACDC and, you know, all that stuff. And uh, I am convinced that there is a spiritual communication that occurs in music. That music is like a spiritual language and it, it has an impact on the environment. And if you listen to evil music, you're going to start feeling something different inside of you than what you do if you listen to godly music. So, when I first got saved, my music listening uh, habits did not change. But in just a couple of years, I started to be able to feel, wow, I better not listen to this anymore. And when I'm hitting the seat button in the car, and I'm, you know, I'm driving somewhere, I drove to Missouri this week and drove back, you know, there's a lot of that, like, oh, come on, give me something, you know, and you're driving, and, uh, you know, you hear that song from back in the early 80s or something, you know, and you're like, ah, there it is, and you think, oh, I better be, I better be a little bit careful here. Cause there was a stronghold in me before. And so for me, I've got to be careful about what sort of music I listen to. Cause I connected with that stuff in a certain way that a lot of other people didn't. The church I went to as a new Christian in my twenties, they had a big no dancing. There was no dancing. You go to prom, you're in trouble. No dancing. Why is that? Because the leadership of that church, they were all bar people. They played music in the bar. Now they became the worship team. And dancing was just, you're on the road to immorality. That's what it was. It was all a manipulation of other people. You're putting yourself in a position to be able to do ungodly things. And that's what dancing was all about. They had to separate themselves completely from it. Good for them. Amen? Good for them. Does that mean nobody else, no Christian ever should go to prom no matter what? No. The line's in different places for different people, and it moves over time. It moves. 
So we don't want to get too detailed with some of these things, but there are some things that are just blatantly obvious. You know, no murdering, no adultery, no stealing, no lying. Yes, of course. But some of these other things are a little bit more difficult to nail down because the line moves. All right. Let's look at a couple uh, of these categories of church culture, itching ears, um, ferocious wolves when it comes to this. Um, church culture and moral character. One of the things that's been a great positive and a great negative in <clears throat> evangelical churches is the seeker-sensitive movement. Is it good to take the feelings into consideration of people who don't know the Lord when you're doing church on Sunday? Absolutely. It's essential. Paul even tells people to be careful how they conduct their business because what if an unbeliever comes in? It's in the Bible. It's in the Scriptures. So we need to be careful about that. But what can happen is, is churches are supposed to make disciples. And churches can end up making seekers instead of making disciples. Instead of making people who are committed to the Lord and willing to do whatever it takes to serve the living God, they're just exploring. And they're on a journey. And they're, you know, they're just sort of checking stuff out. And they can do that for years and years. But this seeker-sensitive thing, what can happen is, is instead of making disciples that obey the Lord, they make seekers that do what they feel like doing. It's the classic user-enabler relationship. What does the enabler do when the user does something bad? Just loves them more. Right? The answer is always give them a hug, love them more. If we just love them more, they'll straighten up. Well, that's the user-enabler relationship. And if that's the relationship of the church, where, okay, yeah, you're messed up and we're never going to ever say anything, we're just going to love you more. They may just end up being seekers for their whole life and never realize, oh no, there's those verses in there that we read earlier today. So we want to make disciples, not seekers. But then there's legalistic churches. Anybody, uh, anybody ever been involved in legalism where people are just kind of mean and super, super, super specific when uh, these are people who strain out a gnat but swallow a camel that means that whatever the problem is you know when we talked about earlier in the sermon what's the problem whatever the problem is their uh, response isn't hey let's just love them more their response is we need to get more detailed <laughs> we need to get to a deeper more specific detail so that we can do it right you know like my my wife's um, grandfather you know, gambling was a horrible, horrible sin back in the day. And even playing cards with poker cards was a horrible, horrible sin. So you couldn't play go fish with poker cards. That was evil. But you could play go fish with rook cards that were numbered to 13. They didn't have kings and queens and jacks and stuff. They had 11s, 12s, and 13s. That's perfectly fine. You can play go fish with those, but not with the ones with queens and kings and stuff. Yeah, that's legalism. That's like, okay, if we're gonna, if we're gonna solve the problem, we just need to get to the finest detail and then be really mad if people don't follow that detail just right. That's legalism. The answer isn't always give a hug, but sometimes it is. Right? The answer isn't always, let's dissect this and find the greater detail. Sometimes it is. We've gotta have the discernment to understand when we need to do each one. 
Itching ears and moral character. Itching ears, that's the way of preference. That's when people don't want to change. They don't want to conform to Christ, but they want to find people who will let them be who they are uh, without being conformed to the image of the Lord. So if you're a greedy person, are there churches for you? There's false prosperity churches you can go to and they'll feed that greed. I believe in prosperity. I'm a prosperity preacher. I like to say that. It makes people feel a little bit nervous. But I like real prosperity. I like that we are victors in Christ. We are more than conquerors. We are not uh, to use the Lord to try to feed our selfish desires. I mean, that's ridiculous. But we are to win. We're not here to lose. We're here to win. So I believe in victory. I believe in prosperity. But false prosperity is just feeding and exploiting people's greed. If you got pride, you can find a group that separates themselves out from everybody else and just has the truth and everybody else is messed up. A separatist group fits real good for prideful people. And if you're super prideful, you'll be all by yourself, the only one that's really got it. You know, and you'll just stay home because you're the only one that really understands. There's all kinds of stuff like that that get into the itching ears. The ferocious wolf thing. You guys know who the Westboro Baptist Church people are? How many people have heard of them? Great. Uh, some have, some haven't. I'm glad, I'm glad if you haven't, that's awesome. Those are the people that like picket funerals, you know, and stuff like that. Uh, their church is smaller than Good Hope. You know that? They're not players in the Christian world. They're not affiliated with any Baptist organization, <laughs> even though they're called Westboro Baptist. They are just alone. And they are terrorizing people. They are ferocious wolves. The bad people. Another place when you get ferocious wolves, that's when sin is promoted in church. I'm glad we're free in Christ. We can't push it too far and start getting into icky stuff. Amen? Let's be it. Besides, we haven't even covered the whole Bible yet. We're going to start doing other stuff? No, 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 no. Another ferocious wolf thing is when pet sins are condemned while other sins are common in the group and just ignored. Have you seen that where you got groups where, oh, this, oh, terrible, terrible, terrible. Um, I probably shouldn't go there. All right, I'm not going to go there. You can, you can just extrapolate that on your, on your own. Um, all right. I'm going to invite the prayer team forward as I go through the last point or two here. Let's read Philippians 2, 12 and 13. Philippians 2, 12 and 13. Here's what it says. Therefore, my dear friends, as you have always obeyed, not only in my presence, but now much more in my absence, continue to work out your salvation with fear and trembling. For it is God who works in you to will and to act according to His good purpose. Work out your salvation with fear and trembling. He's not talking about whether or not Jesus will forgive you of your sins. He's not talking about whether or not grace is attainable for you. He's talking about getting to a place of righteousness. 
living that life. That's what we work out. That's what we have to fight for. We don't have to fight for the Lord to forgive our sins. We ask, He's ready. It's already been paid. But then we need to walk it out. And that's a battle. And we need to fight through that. This week, when I went down to Springfield, Missouri, for the Global Church Planters Summit, and I was in a room of about 3,000 people, again, about 15% Americans, people from all 122 different countries represented. And I saw the Americans and I saw the people from other countries. And there was a difference. Have you seen the movie Band of Brothers? If you've seen Band of Brothers, there's, there's a, a, a scene in there, and we're going to find this and we'll show it in a couple weeks at one of our, uh, on Sunday morning, um, where the guys who've been all trained up and they're, they're just all excited and they're talking about how much they want to get into battle and all that stuff and they're all puffed up and, and they're about ready to go to the front lines and they're all excited, you know? And, uh, when they're going to the front lines though, they meet, they meet the soldiers who were on the front lines who are coming off. And those guys are bandaged up and they're out of ammunition and they're tired and emaciated and they're, they're both soldiers. But they've lived through different things. And as Americans, I feel like, you know, we're in boot camp and we're, we're getting trained and we're experiencing the difficulties and the trials of preparing for war, but we're not living the war like they are in other parts of the world. And when you stand next to somebody who's been living the war, who's been in prison, who's Man, that's just a different thing. And I felt a little like, let's, let's engage. You know, we think, we think we're fighting the good fight when we have to sit through a song we don't like. You know, there's, there's more warfare out there than that. You've been called to make a difference. You've been called to find some darkness and to put some light in it. In order to do that, we've got to build the character of the man on the inside. We've got to be a trustworthy person that doesn't lie. We've got to be someone who stands up and has courage when it's time to stand up and have courage. We need to become who we were saved to be, then we can fight the darkness. i got to tell you, there's no shortage of it in the United States. Even though we can live an easy life, there's no shortage of darkness. Our neighbors are living in darkness. There's pain all over. We can engage the battle. We can find darkness and let our light shine but we have to embrace who we've been saved to be so that we don't need a missionary from China to come here and wake us up so that we can be strong. And so I want to encourage you today, if you're a believer, man, 
work out your salvation with fear and trembling to become part of the solution and not part of the problem. If you're not a believer, understand the blood of Christ is sufficient for you right now to take your sins away this second. You're in. But know what you're signing up for. You're signing up to get there, to make a difference, to be part of the solution and not part of the problem. So the prayer team's up here. If you need need prayer with that, they're here. But uh, let's just close as a group before people come forward for prayer. Yes, okay. Yep, yep. Uh huh. Praise the Lord. Amen. <laughs> Praise God. Praise God. Thank you for the confession. We serve a good God, amen? We serve a good God. Let's give Him a little praise and close the service. Heavenly Father, we honor You here. We worship You. You are good. You bring people through such difficulties. Lord, You are the God of salvation. Lord, let us walk in Your salvation. Let us work it out. Lord, let us have light within us so that we can be part of the solution and not part of the problem. Father, for those who are coming up for prayer, I pray that You would meet them right here. Oh Lord, that, that Your presence would be here and that mighty things would happen in the spirit world and in their hearts, Lord, as they come down for prayer. And Lord, for those who are uh, going to be uh, uh, departing, Lord, I just pray that Your light would be with them, that they would have a fire within them to serve You and to grow in You, to take that next step, whatever it is, different for everybody. But Lord, let us take the next step, each one of us. And so I pray a blessing over all of us in this place. Let your light shine, Lord. In Jesus' name I pray. Amen. Amen. You're released. Come on down for prayer. Otherwise, uh, say hi to somebody you don't know. Encourage them in the Lord this morning.